0: What's going on, guys? Steve Lorenz, uh, 24-7 Sports, Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. I'm flying solo this week. Uh, Zach's out enjoying the last days of summer. I'm filling in, trying my first recording. We'll see how it goes. Never done this before. I'm uh, going to try to make it shorter, hopefully sweeter than normal. Uh, going to get into the James Hudson stuff just very quickly. Not much to say about that. Uh, Andrew Stuber, injury. What's going to be next there. Going to talk about a few guys standing out in fall camp. And then probably I'm going to break, feel like I'm going to break down four or five remaining targets on the 2020 recruiting board uh, with official visit, second official visit season uh, about to get underway. Uh, so, yeah, I'll just, I'll get right into it with the James Hudson thing. Uh, again, really simple. Michigan has granted a waiver to every player that I believe has requested a transfer this was no different. Find it kind of ironic. Jim Harbaugh, only major college head coach I can think of who has advocated for a free one-time transfer, basically a get out of jail free card for any kid who wants it. And he's the head coach being kind of dragged through the mud about a waiver with of which Michigan has absolutely zero control or influence over. Uh, saw Tom Mars who was Shea Patterson and Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. Maybe people need to remember that too. Uh, got both of those guys immediate eligibility. Said Michigan really – I think he uh, told Angelique Changelis of the Detroit News You know, that Michigan really couldn't have done any more than what they did. To me, that should really end it. Uh, again, just a, kind of a tip, typical uh, bringing Harbaugh – lightning, making Harbaugh a lightning rod – Uh, you know, media kind of always takes and runs with that. Again, I realize we're a small part of that, but uh, still uh, much to do about nothing as usual. So really that's all about all I have to say about that. I think this story probably will die, should die. Um, But again, you know, (laughs) only head coach I can think of who's advocated for a one-time free transfer opportunity and yet he seems to be being coupled with the guy who is trying to stop a player from becoming immediately eligible. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think Michigan fans should really care anymore. It's a long been over. So moving on, I'm going to get right into it with Andrew Stuber. As we reported earlier this week, the third-year lineman out of Connecticut suffered what I believe is probably, I I can't say for sure, kind of waiting for full confirmation, but I suspect this will be either – most of the season, if not the entire season, uh, suffered a significant knee injury in practice on Tuesday, same day the Big Ten crew was in town. You know, I, I, this is probably a little bit of a bigger loss, and I think maybe people realize that you know, on this, on the flip side, Jalen Mayfield, to our knowledge, was the guy who was ahead in that race ahead of Stuber, but it was not a decided race at the same time. On top of that, I think Stuber was basically as as I think Gaddis had alluded to in, in his presser, the sixth lineman. So you lose your sixth lineman. The onus now, I mean, and, and John Runyon talked about it, would have been the natural choice in my in my eyes would, would be Ryan Hayes, second year player out of Traverse City. And and it'll be interesting there because you know, Hayes is part of what I have a, a trio of guys that I've heard are in the same boat as players that the staff absolutely loves, but believes are a year away. Hayes, uh, Michael Barrett at linebacker, who we've also heard good things about in fall camp, and then also Julius Welshoff, who, to my knowledge, we haven't really heard much there. Uh, I don't. Again, that doesn't ever mean anything. Uh, but Barrett, we've heard some good things about. Hayes, obviously, we've we've heard good things about Hayes for a while. So you add him into the mix you know, dispel Mayfield or John Runyon, you know, if something is to happen on the left side of things. Uh, and Hayes all of a sudden becomes pretty important. You know, I, he'll get opportunities now. I mean, we know that for sure. You know, his red already burned, so I guess it's not really a, an issue to get him on the field and, and, and as many opportunities as you can at this point. So going to be a test there. Again, like I said, I think we had Mayfield as the leader in the clubhouse heading into fall camp. But the Stuber injury, I, I do I do think is a little bit more significant than maybe fans realize. Uh, you know, I know he struggled in his duties last year. Uh, he struggled against Ohio State, struggled in the bowl game a little bit. Um, but was a guy who, you know, that was baptism by fire, and as a guy that the staff really really high on. Uh, you know, a guy I think really was giving Mayfield everything he could at right tackle. Do think the upside's higher with Mayfield. I know we had him as. a borderline top 100 he was top 100 at one point uh, but it's a borderline top 100 prospect uh, from Barton and our guys at 24-7 sports so big you know Mayfield all of a sudden becomes really one of the more important players on the roster I know Zach in the midst or is almost finished up with his top 25 players or most 25 25 most important players sorry Uh, you know I think Mayfield would be squarely in that mix now we know the other four spots up front for Michigan are, are solidified uh, with guys who are all big ten performers, all four of them coming back. Right tackle was kind of that one question mark. you know, but I, at the same time, I think Mayfield is a guy who ha- absolutely has the potential to kind of take this opportunity and run with it. Immense upside. He's put on a lot of good weight since he got to campus. You know, I think when in June, we were told that, you know, he had been led to believe that he was leading the race at offensive tackle. You know, but again, it hadn't been decided yet, at least to our knowledge. Uh, I think there was still they were still repping both guys with the ones at different points, and and was a battle that really appeared to be ongoing. So Ryan Hayes, the benefactor here, at least from an experience standpoint, interested to see who else emerges as a potential tackle. Does one of the first year guys kind of step in as as the backup to the backup, Trevor Keegan? Uh, Trent Jones, both highly regarded in recruiting circles, guys I know we liked. You know, Jones is somebody, obviously, I think thanks to thanks to Brian, the great Brian Cook at MGO Blog for keeping track of the, the hype that I gave Jones throughout the process, uh, you know, as a guy that eventually became a borderline top 100 guy, was originally a three-star when he committed to Michigan. So, you know, we'll see if one of those guys kind of steps up. You know, as, as the again, the backup to the backup. I know Harbaugh's mentioned former walk on Greg Robinson as another guy. I think he mentioned him in the spring. It's the only other name I could come up with or find as far as other tackles that they'd been bringing up or, or really maybe kind of hyping up. Going to take a quick commercial break and then I'll get into the fall camp standouts and then we'll talk a little bit of recruiting. And we're back from that amazing commercial break fall camp getting you know obviously we're 2 weeks away so so fall camp coming to an end is going to be game prep week and here in the real near future uh, you know fall camp seems to be going pretty well for Michigan i know the you know we're not akin to hearing a ton of negative stuff you don't you ever really hear a lot of negative stuff when you're asking around about what's going on um you know but but i a few guys i, I kind of continue to hear a lot of good things about first one Ronnie Bell at wide receiver, uh, the no-star hero, uh, the the recruiting gem that Michigan, I believe, still feels like they stole out of Kansas City. You know, I've had Bell as a breakout guy for, for a long time this offseason. You know, you have Peoples-Jones, you have Nico Collins, you have Tariq Black, uh, you have Sean McHugh and Nick Eubanks at tight end. Uh, that, uh, that alone means that there's going to be plenty of opportunities if they decide to throw another wide receiver out there. Bell seems to be the guy that they like to have in that slot position, one of only a handful of true freshmen last year to burn his red shirt, which, again, says a lot. I don't really think it was out of necessity so much either, uh, maybe a little bit, but not necessarily. Uh, you know, So Bell, guy that we continue to hear really good things about. I had him as my breakout pick a, a long time ago. And, you know, as a guy I think is going to have oodles, ample, Just tons of opportunities to get the ball. So his production, maybe it depends a little bit on how his chemistry with Shea Patterson or Dylan McCaffrey is. You know, I know McCaffrey hit him for that deep touchdown against Nebraska last year. You know, so Bell's acclimated himself really well. Continue to hear nothing but good things about him. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, a guy who's kind of continued it from the spring is Donovan Jeter. You know, I know we talked a lot about Michael for last year. Some brought him up as a guy that, didn't live up to the fall spring camp hype from last year. I I strongly disagree. I think he was really effective as the season wore on, basically until he got hurt. Jeter's kind of taken that role this offseason as the guy that everybody seems to be saying good things about, continuing to hear really good things about his progress. You know, we'll see how that, you know, again, that's got to translate onto the field. I don't think anybody's ever denied that or is ever going to deny that, but... Again, more often than not, when you're hearing from different people, different staff members obviously have brought him up, Harbaugh, Brown, Nua have all talked about him, that's usually a good indication that the guy is, once he gets his feet wet, gets acclimated to the the speed of a real game, you know, is a guy that can become an impact player for them. So, you know, Jeter, another guy, continue to hear really good things about. The guy I think I've probably heard the most good things about is Aiden Hutchinson, who, is about an a breakout pick as I think you're gonna get. I've heard he was stronger and I posted a couple weeks ago or last week stronger and faster than he was in the spring. I don't know if everyone caught that he trained with the Tom Brady's TB12 team earlier this offseason, right before fall camp. Yeah, I don't know, I man. If that that helped, I would I would suspect. Uh, but he, again, he's a guy who was rising anyway, was gonna be a force in my opinion. Really, a big reason why I think Michigan on the edge is not going to lose as much as what fans think they're going to lose. You know, because Quiddy Pay is a guy that I wouldn't call him a potential breakout guy. I think Quiddy has kind of acclimated himself, established himself as a player. Uche led the team in sacks last year. You know, Hutchinson had limited playing time, but did some good things with it. Again, another guy that had, I think, a a really good play against Nebraska, right, Uh, with the uh, safety. So... It'll be interesting, you know. Again, I think he's a guy really going to explode. Again, I've heard nothing but good things about what he's done. He just he's he is primed uh, to break out. It's in his blood. Legacy guy. His dad was a great player for the program. You know, it's just everything's pointing upwards for him. Last guy I was thinking was Vincent Gray. You know, we've heard I had heard a lot of good things about Jamon Green coming out at the end of spring. And and Gray was a guy I think at at this point, you know, because we heard a lot of great things about him last year. You know, I think Gray was almost a guy you're counting on a little bit to establish himself this this season. It's looking more and more like that's gonna be the case, or at least he's gonna get the opportunity. With Ambry Thomas's situation in in a little bit of flux right now as far as when he'll be back, how you know, how long it'll take him to be effective. You know, I think Gray's a guy that is maybe primed to capitalize in that situation. Also, in posted this last week, I've heard a lot. Of, I don't know if this means instant impact at all, but have heard a lot of good things about freshman DJ Turner, too, who was a bona fide top target for the staff in 19 all the way. Don't care about his ranking. Don't care about his rating. You know, We'll see. Again, we'll see how some of these guys develop. But Turner, have, so far, it sounds like he's had a pretty good fall camp. So just a few guys I've heard a lot of good things about again we'll see if they can put it in put it together on the field when when the lights come on and the and the season actually starts but you know i think these are those four guys especially are guys that are kind of trending up as far as you know maybe potential impact players go finishing it off we're going to transfer or uh, transition into recruiting here for a minute kind of a really quiet period of time for recruiting with fall camp staff's not really worried about recruiting right now no college staff is worried ton about recruiting you've seen some verbal commitments at other programs across the country but you know with Michigan's class got to be getting close to full uh, nearing its capacity you know there's a, a situation where they can kind of narrow their focus on the guys that they've been after you know number one guy not number these aren't in order these are just the way I I'm just kind of thinking of them Andrew Gentry really kind of the last in my mind last legitimate target on the offensive line this cycle won't be on campus for a couple years because of his uh, Latter-day Saints commitment, his mission commitment that he'll take after he graduates from high school. Uh, but as a guy, you know, I think it was when Andrew Rame committed to Oklahoma, uh, we had some good intel that Rame and Gentry were kind of the two guys that they really, really liked. I saw Anton Harrison out of Maryland is looking at taking an official visit to Michigan. I just I don't know if that's one that they'll move forward on or not. I kind of feel like he'll end up staying close to home, play for Maryland. We'll see, though. But Gentry, far and away the top guy left up front, top one hundred guy. You know, interesting with the mission situation. I don't really know like what the success rate is with those types of guys. But you know, if you're Michigan, they they are in a spot right now where you can take a guy like that, let him you know let him take his mission, come back in a couple of years, and then you know put him on scholarships. So you know, Gentry's a guy. I think BYU, obviously, we're talking about missions and 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 the Latter Day Saint stuff. You know. BYU is kind of one of the primary competitors. I know Virginia as well, who's ironically coached by former BYU head coach Bronco Mendenhall. So those are really the two biggest programs I can think of uh, who Michigan is competing against. So it's kind of an interesting recruiting race, not one that you're accustomed to in that regard. Next guy's Brendan Rice, wide receiver. I think he'd be a great finish for them at wide receiver this cycle. Sort of more of the taller, classic Michigan wide receiver. I believe he's talked about committing, making a verbal commitment sooner rather than later. I think this is Michigan and Oregon really seems like it's coming down to those two schools. Be interesting to see if he takes an official. Uh, I do know, you know, him not coming to the barbecue not really viewed as a big deal from what I was told. So you know, not anything I'd look at as an in depth or and you know get worried about. Although people should never worry about recruiting anyway. You know, so Brendan Rice again, top remaining target up front at receiver. Is a guy I think Michigan would love to add, obviously, and, and and Oregon probably the primary competition there. Still, the the most heated battle left it's got to be Theo Johnson, the four star tight end uh, out of Canada. This one's getting this one's a heated battle. It's been heated for a while. I think Michigan, Penn State, Georgia, still in the mix too. Uh, and with Eric Gilbert trending towards Alabama a little bit lately, I think that puts Theo right back in the in the crosshairs for. Kirby Smart and his staff at Georgia, uh, elite, a big timer, another guy really, and Michigan wasn't. I mean, they were among the first to offer, but a lot of schools got in early. I mean, he's a guy who's really risen up the rankings. He had an amazing uh, week at the opening this summer, and then really, as like I said, has established himself as an absolute top tier tight end prospect. But that again, that one. It's been a roller coaster. Uh, he was looking to commit very a lot earlier in the process, backed off of that, and now this one looks like it might be the one that goes the for the long haul. So we'll see. It kind of just depends on the day. Uh, you know, I feel like Michigan's done a really good job with with his mom. Penn State's done a good job as well. I know they were able to get his coaches up for their barbecue event at the end of July, and then giving giving him the in to come. And that's really the reason he showed up is they invited his coaches to campus. So smart recruiting move on their end. But you know, again, this one's going to go for a while. Uh, Penn state still leads a crystal ball. That one guy I, I, who knows that one's going to be an interesting one at corner. You got Darian green Warren out of modern day. You know, I know he, I think he named Michigan, his leader or something. I, I don't put any stock into a kid who names a school, his leader when he's never even been to the campus. Uh, that being said, They're really pushing. I'd say he's probably their top guy at corner. Henry Gray's a guy I know that that has been mentioned with Michigan too. I think they like him as well, but I would suspect that they like Green Warren a little bit more. Uh, Former Oklahoma commitment. USC still involved. You know, USC going to be a wild card in a lot of races with whatever's going on with Clay Helton. I mean, that's going to be they they either going to they're either going to finish really really strong or they're going to limp to the finish line depending on what happens in that situation. So, you know, but again, West Coast guy naming Michigan as leader without visiting. I mean, I just, again, they very well, could they win that race? Absolutely. It's just I, I'm not putting a lot of stock into whatever's happening right now. I mean, you, you got to get to campus first. Uh, he backed out on going to the barbecue, which, again, a lot of guys do, especially when you're paying in your own dime. But, you know, he didn't make that visit. Now he's going to have to come up for an official. So, really, I think that's what's going to dictate where Michigan ends up standing in this one. Finally, lastly, I guess, it would be at running back. You know, it's Kyle Edwards. Three star out of Louisiana. You see Zach Evans, the five star, starting to trend to Georgia on the 24 7 sports crystal ball. At one time, I think it was an Alabama lean, but again, that one just seems to be another wacky one down south. You know, we'll see what happens there. But I do think where that race ends may have an impact on that on the Edwards recruitment just for the simple fact that I believe. He's a borderline take for Alabama, and they'll become a factor if Evans goes elsewhere. That's my opinion. We'll see if Alabama changes course either way. Edwards, a top guy for Michigan, either way, though. Has been for a while. Great student. I believe he wants to be an engineer. Uh, you know, but but Destrahan is pumped out. Like, I'm interested with him. He backed up John Emery last year, who was the number one running back in the country. Edwards is only a three star right now, could be a four star. You know, once he now he'll have his own moment to shine. You know, so it'll be inter- His senior film will be really interesting to watch. Could be a guy that rises late. I'm going to throw Lawrence Feely in there. I know he verbally committed to Florida State uh, a couple weeks ago, but Michigan is not going to stop there. I mean, we reported months ago that we anticipated an early commitment to Florida State. They beat Ohio State for Jalen Knighton. I think it kind of forced Feely's hand to make a verbal commitment. Sort of that saving your spot type situation. So, you know, Michigan not going to give up there. I I suspect they'll try to get them up for an official visit this season. If they do, then I think all bets are off, especially when you consider, I, I, you know, I don't anticipate Florida State having a great year on the field. They're certainly not going to beat Clemson, you know, and we'll see how they do in the rest of their schedule. So, you know, could be a school susceptible to some flips late in the process, you know, which I think is what Michigan's banking on there. So, yeah, that'd be it for that. Um, And that'd be it for this uh, episode. What We got about 20 minutes in today. Went on my own. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if you guys like it. Uh, hopefully Zach will be back next week. We'll get back to it with the season getting closer and closer. This is Steve Lorenz, 24-7 Sports, with the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Thanks. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys.